It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 21st, 2013. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is to my right. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well, and looking forward to a very interesting discussion tonight. I think we'll have an interesting discussion. We were honored to have a special guest with us tonight, um, Melvin Talbert, who is a bishop, uh, retired bishop in the Methodist Church, is with us from Nashville. I hope we've still got you on the line, Melvin. Yes, I'm here. Great, great. Uh, sorry we had a little bit of trouble there getting our, all our wires connected just before. Melvin we has to... been in the news uh, plenty in the last uh, few weeks. Yes, sir. Uh, we first learned about your story in the Nashville, Tennessean, and we're interested uh, concerning the developments that have occurred recently in the Methodist denomination, which you're a longstanding member, right? That's correct. And uh, I, th- I think I read where you retired. You're a, a retired bishop in the Methodist Church, maybe been retired about 10 years or so? I'm a retired bishop. It's the United Methodist Church. Okay. Um the the news story that got our attention, and I think probably which has stirred a lot of attention, uh, uh, you've probably been contacted by a lot of people. Uh, back in October, uh, there were two gentlemen down in Alabama by the name of Bobby Prince and Joe Openshaw who contacted you uh, to perform a, a same-sex marriage ceremony for them uh, in Alabama. Um, now, the reason why this was of particular significance is that the United Methodist Church uh, opposes uh, the performing of such marriages. And so uh, within your own denomination, you got uh, some pushback on that and probably also a lot of attention from various media sources. Now, am now, I right? now Malvin, I understand uh, from some of the things you've read, or, I'm sorry, that you've written that I've read, uh, that... That, that bishops have performed these types of ceremonies in the past in secret. Are you the first uh, Methodist uh, clergy to perform one openly? No, not the first clergy. I, I'm probably the first bishop that has performed one openly. Now, there's a couple issues with that in the Methodist Church, first being the Methodist Book of Discipline uh, condemns homosexuality in general, and it also would condemn same-sex marriage. So you are in opposition to both of those uh, doctrines in your church. Yeah, let me just see. I thought we were going to have a conversation, and oh, it looks oh. like it's going to be in a quiz. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we don't want no, to. No, we want to hear your story. Yeah, we want to hear you. We're just trying to get things started. So, yeah, if you've got to go and jump in and then explain uh, explain your view. Yeah, we uh, – uh, it is, it is true that the United Methodist Church has a position on homosexuality, and it has held that position for more than 40 years. It was put into the social principles back in 1972 at that particular general conference. And ever since then, uh, there's been this continuing struggle to try to get that uh, derogatory language out of the Book of Discipline. And there are uh, persons on both sides of this issue, sides of this issue, and uh, it's uh, it's it had we haven't been able to uh, get the church to change its position in more than forty years. Now, I was I was interested that uh, you 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 equated it to the civil rights movement, and and uh, I was interested to learn that you had spent some time in a jail cell with Martin Luther King. That is correct. Uh, I spent three days and three nights in the jail cell, and I do equate uh, this issue with civil rights issue because discrimination is discrimination no matter what it is. Uh, when it was race back in the uh, early days, uh, that was discrimination, and now it happens to be 
gender or yeah, as you might call sexual orientation, it's still uh, discrimination. And uh, uh, these uh, lesbian, gays, uh, transgender, and bisexual people are human beings. They're created in the image of God. We agree with that. And they they uh, should be uh, given their human and civil rights issues. Let, let me ask just a little bit more background on this particular situation uh, in the marriage that was just performed uh, by you in Alabama. From what I read in the Tennessee, and it seemed like that the two gentlemen, uh, Mr. Prince and Mr. Openshaw, specifically chose you with the hopes of sort of making a statement and sort of pushing the denomination in a direction and that maybe you agreed to participate at that same level. Was that your, was that really no, an no, intention or not? No, let me, let me tell my story. That's, I don't know where you're getting that innuendo from. That is not correct. Uh, the gentleman in Alabama went to their pastor and their pastor, uh, did not agreed to perform their wedding because of the church's restrictions. The pastor referred them to the former pastor. The former pastor was in the same situation, but he agreed to counsel them. But the pastor was at the general conference in 2012 in Tampa, and he heard me speak at a noon gathering. And in that gathering, I after the general conference refused to take the rules out uh, to change their position, I told the general, that group, uh, that God has already settled this matter. God created us all as a part of the human family, and uh, we are making an argument out of it, and there's no need for it. And so uh, then I went further to declare that those laws and the prohibitions or immoral and unjust and no longer deserve our loyalty and support. And I went on to say some other things. And then at the conclusion, I said that if the opportunity presented itself, uh, I would perform a same-gender marriage. Now, the gentleman in Alabama heard about me through that uh, form, their former pastor who counseled them, and he made an indirect contact with me with a third party, and I opened myself up to have a conversation with the couple, and after meeting them myself and discovering that they were bona fide United Methodists, uh, lifelong, not lifelong, but a number of years, and... Uh, they, the only thing that kept the church from marrying them is they happened to be gay. And so I agreed to do the ceremony. Well, here's what... But this was not a staged situation. Well, I, I didn't I mean to imply to. it was staged, but it, but I'm, my question to you is, are you hoping by, by this action to move the, Meth, the United Methodist Church in the direction of endorsing these marriages? Because here's what the Tennessean said... Mr. Openshaw was quoted as saying, we feel like this is going to open the door for people who may not feel comfortable with the church. Maybe they'll have some inspiration to talk to their pastor about it. Uh, it says he and Prince spoke to local Methodist clergy about performing the ceremony, but realized getting Talbert, who has national recognition in the denomination, would better serve to push Methodists toward change. So I'm not saying it was a stage situation, but I'm wondering if if part of what your motivation was was with the was with the hope of making uh, uh the the United Methodist Church move in that direction yeah i i was i was not doing that particular wedding to to get anything done other than to marry them uh, okay. uh, it escalated to to that level by what happened and uh, of course i want to see my church change its position. I'm a lifelong United Methodist, and I want to see it change its position to be inclusive. We have the right language. We say open hearts, open minds, open doors, and I want us to live up to that motto. 
I would, I'd like to ask you about the, the discrimination issue. Uh, there are lots of behaviors that uh, many religious organizations would uh, not condone, and I'm sure the Methodist uh, uh, denomination would have behaviors that you wouldn't condone, alcoholism, uh, fornication, adultery, and so forth. How, how, how are you any diff- how, how, how would you say that saying that someone who is an adulterer would not be accepted in your denomination. How would you say that that is not discrimination, but saying someone who is homosexual is discrimination? How would you make, how would you make those distinction, distinctions? Well, first of all, um, um, homosexuality is not a choice. Homosexuality is that's the way people are born. Now, could I stop and, you there for just a minute to say that that's not a proven that's not a proven uh, scenario? I mean that that speculation has been out there for some time, but it's never been established uh, that that is in fact so. You understand that, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I think I'm going to end this conversation. I didn't come on to debate you. I oh, we're interested. We're interested in hearing your point of view. We just want to stop you along the way and and question. You know some of the things yeah. so we get a better understanding of your position. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let us, we won't interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead. You were, you, you, no, your... I, I think I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time tonight. Appreciate it. All right. Well, um, unfortunate that he was unwilling to discuss it. I think that may be telling in and of itself. I think it's very telling. In fact, it was interesting that we got uh, the Shelton boys running our board tonight, and they had asked, have you ever had any of these people that you interview hang up on you before? And we said, no, we never have. The, uh, Melvin Talbert, uh, the bishop of the United Methodist Church, uh, holds the distinction of being the first one who's unwilling to defend his position or even accept questions by way of explanation of his position. Uh, so that, that's very disheartening. Uh, but I, I do think it, it's revealing in the fact that he's he wouldn't even let us ask him for clarification about his point of view. So I guess we didn't have any common ground to go on either. So we'll we'll, we'll continue to discuss this let's subject. Take, let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll take your thoughts. Uh, we'd like uh, your help on the phone. The phone line is now open. Uh, so why don't you give us a call at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven? Let us know your thoughts. Been in the news a lot. We've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of material. We we don't uh, necessarily need uh, Mr. Talbert. Yeah, we we pretty well got it. We we can establish what he believes by way of the things that have been covered. The in things the news. that have been written are very telling. And uh, so we'll take your thoughts. Maybe you agree. Maybe you agree with uh, Mr. Talbert, and you think that uh, that homosexuality and homosexual marriage is acceptable and in accordance with God's word. And you think it's a civil rights issue and a discrimination issue to say that it is wrong. We'll let you get in on the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. You have enemies. Good. That means you've stood up for something at some point in your life. One may conquer the highest mountain by taking one step at a time. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight and we're talking about homosexual marriage. We were hoping to have more discussion time with uh, Melvin Talbert of the United Methodist Church, a bishop who recently performed a same-sex marriage. He's been in the news. Uh, it's gotten national news coverage because this is the first time that a bishop has performed a same-sex marriage, which is contradictory to the Methodist uh, doctrine, the Book of uh, Discipline from the Methodist Church. They don't believe homosexuality is consistent with Christianity, is their statement. They also do not uh, sanction uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, Mr. Talbert believes that it is a uh, it is a discriminatory civil rights issue, and he uh, is trying to get that changed. Hopes to have that changed in the Methodist Church. 
We want to know what you think about it on the program tonight. You know, you know one of the statements uh, that is in some of these articles, we're going to review his articles now since he won't let us talk to him in person. We'll just review these articles that describe his position and his, his standing. But he, he has declared that the laws of the United Methodist Church that prohibit clergy from marrying gay and lesbian folk and using the church for that purpose are immoral, unjust, they are evil. They no longer deserve our loyalty and support. It's time to do the right thing. And he said that he said that on the phone as well that he yeah. thought they were evil now they, and immoral. They, they've been they've been fighting this thing. He says for forty years. I've got a, a Methodist during their last national meeting in 2012 upheld the denomination's 40 year old policy that same sex relationships conflict with Christian teaching. Uh, now. I'll tell you something. If I was a member of any religious group and for 40 years they've been taking a position that I describe as how did that how did that just go uh, immoral, unjust, and evil. If if I'm a member of this religious group and for and I stay with them for 40 years while they maintain a position that is immoral, unjust, and evil, I can't imagine that. Don't you think that before 40 years had passed, you would have said, see ya, I'm out of here. I'm not staying with you. If you're going to, if you're going to continue to maintain a position that I hold as immoral and evil, I can't, I can't continue to associate in that. But he did, obviously. Well, and uh, it's interesting that this has only been a concern for 40 years. Uh, you know, the homosexuality has been around a lot longer than that. Uh, why are we just now starting to accept it? Uh, we'd have to wonder about that. Yeah. Now, uh, Again, he he didn't want us to question him about anything concerning the idea that this this action on his part was an agenda. Yep. But I think it's pretty clear that it was an agenda. I read from the Tennessean quoting one of the two men that was married by him in Alabama as saying they specifically chose him with the hopes of moving the Methodist Church toward change. And he himself said um, uh, concerning the idea that he would be disciplined uh, for his action. Uh, he said, I fully expect to be disciplined. I'm still a bishop. I'm no less accountable than those who are. He did it knowing that he would likely receive a disciplinary action from the Methodist Church. Let's go to the phones and go out to California. Uh, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Who are we speaking with? Hello, are you there? Yep, let's see. We're having a little bit of problem here. Up. Oh, nice. Let's see. There, we right, there we go. There we go. Welcome to the virtual Bible study. Who are we speaking with? Steve Roy. Steve, thank you for joining us tonight. You're in what Cal- are you doing? What are you doing in California? I'm not in California. I'm in Michigan. Oh, it came up as California on the phone, so something funny's well, happening. Thank you. There. Thank you for Thanks. calling in. Steve. Good, to, good to hear from you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I use a free uh, internet service on uh, Gmail. I can call landlines for free, so that's well, why. That's, uh, why, uh, that's yeah. what happened. You're okay. Incognito tonight. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, what, 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 what are your <laughs> anyway, thoughts? Yeah, uh, so I, I wanted to just weigh in, and I, I think one of the things I've brought up on uh, the show before, uh, probably just typing it, but I'll just reiterate it, and that is when Greg brought up the point um, in regard to uh, it's, it's not a choice, usually, and I learned this in actual uh, biological psychology course I took in college, which is really hey interesting, uh, it revealed that those who are alcoholics, what they mean when they say something is genetic is it, it kind of goes back to the nature versus nurture argument. And if you can prove that genes cause um, the, the nurturing effect, so in other words, uh, if you had the personality of a more outgoing personality, you were more likely to engage in behaviors where you'd go to parties, try um, alcohol, and become an alcoholic. So if you could prove that your behavior was genetic, which I don't think any biologists have really done that, it's a common debated topic, which is the whole nature versus nurture argument, It'd be the same for homosexuality, where right. a certain uh, personality. Steve, Steve I don't, I don't yeah. know, I don't know your personality, but uh, and and but I'm sure there are certain personality traits that you struggle with that you you don't allow to dominate your behavior. There are some people, Dad, you've seen uh, newborns that uh, display a, a different temperament than others that they may have a, a short uh, a short fuse. Uh, I've got one of those at home and. Uh, 
And I'm not. I don't. We don't allow him to say. Well, he was born with the with the. Uh, he's got. So a, we just got to let him. He's act got a out. hot temper. Yeah. We just so we're just going to let it go. Yeah. I mean the the, the, the I mean so if if we could prove that you were born homosexual, that does not negate any laws that God may have put in place to govern that behavior. That's right. And I think I think you'd agree, Steve, that you just even if you could prove of born this way, it doesn't mean that it's an allowable action. You know, uh, and any more than any other thing that the Bible condemns, we all have predispositions to different weaknesses right. that we have to be on guard against. And we have to fight against. Uh, my weakness may not be yours, Jacob. Mine may not be yours, Steve. But but your weakness, what what you're weak about, I may not have any problem with at all. But in regards to all those things, God tells us you got to discipline yourself. A- absolutely, and and that's why I was you know getting to because. I don't think the biologists have really proven it, and they they still struggle to prove the whole nature versus nurture argument. So you know, really, it's kind of interesting that this, uh, see see if you agree with me about this, Steve. If the if the scientists could prove that there's some a genetic component that people are born homosexual, these same scientists would also want to argue in favor of evolution, right? I mean, those two things. Pro- probably any scientist who would argue you're born that way, homosexual would also be a scientist that would probably argue in favor of the, the general theory of evolution. Can, it, well, it, if that's the case, then, then homosexuals, which is a growing trend, it seems, would start having babies. <laughs> yeah, or... or, or genetically or, dominant species, right? Right, but the thing... Or they would, have, they would have ceased to exist eons ago in evolutionary history because they couldn't reproduce. I mean, it, it, you know... That that's not a trait that would have invoked the survival of the fittest, right? Uh, and so, l- let's say a hundred million years ago, this guy had a homosexual tendency. It, it didn't work. They shuffled that out of the evolutionary deck a long yeah, time ago. Of course, and we're, of course, we're, we're talking fac- we're talking facetiously there because we don't believe in evolution either. But we're just saying there's no way that an evolutionary scientist could maintain the argument that a homosexual is born that way. Evolution could not have produced that outcome. All right, Stephen, I'll, I'll ask. We had some questions uh, from our listeners. Uh, that they wanted to uh, direct towards Melvin. And one of those uh, was from Chris in West Tennessee. Uh, Steve, he says, uh, how does one know if God approves or disapproves of same-sex marriage? That is, uh, that's, that would be a, a challenging question to ask, uh, Steve, I believe, uh, because we want to make sure that we knew that God approved of same-sex marriage, and uh, the scriptures wouldn't give you any indication that he does, would they? Uh, of same-sex marriage? Yes, yes. Yes. Well, it talks about couples not having relation, those types of relations, so I can't imagine him approving it. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah it, it, there's a, quite a disconnect between the log, on the logic of this thing, let alone the scripturalness of it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Steve, we appreciate your call from Michigan. Keep warm up there. Yeah, thanks. All yeah. right, good hearing from you. Thank you for calling, Steve. But, All right, um, the line is open now for you at 877-381-4567. Um, That's toll-free, by the way. We'll pay the bill. There's another article we have here, which we've done a little research on Melvin Talbert. and uh, We appreciate him for being willing to join us, by the way. We're not trying to we're not trying to, to say anything that... Well, I'm, I'm very say. disappointed that he wouldn't discuss his position. Oh, yet. I am too, but we're not, trying to, we're not trying to say anything here that he wouldn't have said. We're going to use uh, the articles yeah. here that have been written I, about I, him. One of the articles I found we did, out... And we disagree, and there's no, there's no, there's no, no, no sin in disagreeing with someone. Yeah. You know, and so... Yeah, uh, um, I, maybe this is why he and other... And the United Methodist Church haven't been able to persuade their own their own denomination to go along because they don't want to discuss it. They just want to do it and don't want to hear about it. Right. But uh, he he says that he changed his That's view. Um, uh, it says that uh, Talbert's stance was was not always this way. Forty years ago, at the 1972 Methodist General Conference, which adopted language saying homosexuality is incompatible with Christianity. That's where he was 40 years ago. His views changed several years later when he was invited to a weekend seminar of gay and straight Methodists. Participants could not reveal which they were until the end. The revelation destroyed his stereotypes. Uh, A married father and grandfather brought the issue to a head last year when the denomination voted against 
removing the language that he had helped to put in. He helped to put that language into. Melvin did. Yeah, but he changed uh, after attending this uh, session uh, in which uh, the stereotypes of homosexuality were sort of removed from his mind. I wonder if he had had, if he had attended a, a seminar on polygamy in which a number of polygamists discussed their, their positions. I wonder if you could change him on another moral issue, not by a scriptural line of argumentation, but by an experience. In other words, he, he said his position on homosexuality changed when he attended uh, what was called a seminar of gay and straight Methodists. I've, yeah, well, you know, and just and, because somebody might might be nice and you might enjoy their company, I've known a lot of nice adulterers, haven't you? Probably so. Yeah, you, if, I but, mean, there's but, a lot of nice fornicators. I mean, nice people. And, but but you, the question here is, maybe they don't. They maybe they you maybe you know them for a long time. You don't realize that they're an adulterer. Yeah. Does that change your view on adultery? Yeah. Apparently, according to this, that that did change his view. And I just wonder if you could change his view on other moral questions uh, by just simply talking to him about it. not not by presenting a scriptural argument, but just by being around him. Truthfactor.org. John Duvall is on the line. John, welcome hey, John. to the program. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Going good. Hey, I wanted to share with you just real quick. You were talking about uh, whether or not people are born that way, as the song goes, I guess. There was a study that was done, and I can drop the link into the chat area, of identical twins. And the conclusion was, at least part of the conclusion, is that if one, if you're born as a homosexual, then if one twin is homosexual, the other twin would have to be homosexual. Yeah. It just makes sense because their DNA is identical. That's right. However, it was an extremely small percentage of the twin studies where both, where both of them were homosexual. The majority of them, only one was and the one was not, therefore proving it could not have been genetic. Exactly. Exactly. The, the, the overwhelming weight of evidence is against the idea. Uh, this Melvin Talbert, he, he hung up on us when we suggested that it has not been proven that homosexuals are born that way, but the overwhelming evidence of scientific investigation has indicated that yeah. it is not genetic. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. right, John. John, do you, John, we don't want to concede that point, but would you not agree that if they could prove a genetic uh, predisposition, that uh, that does not uh, then throw open the door to behave in any way that you want? Oh, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it, it wouldn't justify it. We're supposed to be in control of ourselves. Um, I think it's possible for someone to be born with a predisposition to addiction, but they never know it until they try the addictive substance. Yeah. Right. Hey, John, drop know. me drop me that link in an email, and I'll put it in. Uh, I've, uh, we've got we've got links turned off on the chat room. Send me that in an email, and I'll put it up. I'll do that right now. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate hey, your work. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, John. Truthfactor dot org seven thirty on Tuesdays. No, I'm sorry, Scriptural Way. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Truth Factor and is on Wednesday. At what, 11 a.m.? 11 a.m. All right. 11 a.m., but we're on hiatus until January the 8th. Okay. okay. Good deal. All right. Truth thanks, John. Truthfactor.com, yep. Appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks. All right. All right. We'll uh, take your call, 877-381-4567. We're going to take a break, and that'll give you time to let your fingers do the walking and get on. 877-381-4567. When we get back, we'll continue to talk with you. And uh, Jared in the chat room says he likes the new website. It is simple and clean. Wow. Well, it's simple for one fundamental reason. Because <laughs> we're simple. We're simple when it comes to websites. It's, yeah. the best, it's the best we can do. All right, we'll take a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. It's not uncommon, while trying to rebuke or admonish someone concerning their spiritual condition, to have them reply with this statement, quote, I'm at peace with my God. Just recently, we got this reply from a fellow who left the Lord's church. Not long ago, a Christian, after admitting his homosexual lifestyle, used the same defense. Apparently, these folks think that this feeling of peace is the absolute standard by which their conduct should be judged. They could not be more wrong. In ancient Judah, the prophet Jeremiah bemoaned the unfaithfulness of God's people. One of the great problems was that they were oblivious to their lost condition. This was largely due to the fact that, quote, from the prophet even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That's Jeremiah 6, verses 13 and 14. 
Do you see it? They believed that they were at peace with God. Their religious leaders even told them that there was peace with God. But in reality, there was no peace. People today, like those in Jeremiah's day, are deceived into thinking that they are at peace with God even as they continue in their rebellion against him. False teachers, of course, contribute to the problem with, quote, good words and fair speeches that deceive the hearts of the simple, Romans 16, verse 18. The only true basis for peace with God is in humble obedience to his will. The Apostle Paul urged, quote, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you, Philippians 4, verse 9. Faith and obedience produce true peace. Anything other than that is simply the deception of subjective feelings. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. It is new. Hopefully it's improved. It's at least working uh, now. And uh, you can find out information about uh, how to podcast recent episodes of the Virtual Bible Study, as well as how to podcast recent sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ. Those uh, podcast links are now functional again. So if you've been missing the podcast for the last few weeks, it is up and uh, you can catch it there. And so we appreciate you for subscribing to our podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we believe or practice or anything you've heard on a recent edition of the Virtual Bible Study, the email address to use, which is working as well, is questions at collegeview.com. We'd like to hear from you at any time. Send us an email and let us know your thoughts. We're talking about homosexual marriage on the program tonight. Uh, Bishop Melvin Talbert of the United Methodist Church uh, joined us for a few minutes at the start of the program. He has been in national news for uh, performing a same-sex marriage, which is against the rules of uh, the Methodist United Methodist Church on two uh, accounts, on the uh, sanctioning of homosexuality and the sanctioning of homosexual marriage. They differ on both of those. It is a hot-button issue in the United Methodist Church. Thankfully, it is not a hot-button issue in the church here. In fact, it's, it's not even it's not a button. It's not an issue. There's not even a button to press here on the issue here because... We uh, believe you got to go to the Bible, and uh, rather than feelings or experiences, Jack in the chat room uh, says that in a previous episode, uh, we asked an evangelist who supported same-sex marriage, he was in the Presbyterian Church, to inform us on what influenced him to change his position, uh, the position he, position he held. He told us poets, writers, and playwrights and his daughter influenced him. When we don't study God's word and see his commands on this subject, we then allow ourselves, uh, allow other influences to change our mind. And that certainly appears to be what's happening in the religious world today. It's not that we have studied the Bible and we think that that we understand what God wants. It's that we're allowing society to dictate what we think is right. Well, actually, uh, Bishop Melvin Talbert, retired of the United Methodist Church, is not being even consistent in his own explanation of how he came to this position. In, in one article, it was said that he changed his position because of his experience associating with homosexuals. Here in, a, in a, uh, an article that he wrote in, on October 7th of this year, he said, um, I was when our 2012 General Conference failed to do the right thing by removing such derogatory and hurtful language from our Book of Discipline, I was moved by the Spirit to speak a word of hope to our LGBTQ sisters and brothers at every level of life. I felt compelled as a bishop to declare the derogatory language and restrictive laws of our book of discipline are wrong, immoral, unjust, and no longer deserve our loyalty and support. Here he says he was moved by the Spirit to do that. Now, I wonder about that. He was Spirit. You know, what what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? He said, I was moved, I was moved by the Spirit. You could mean that he... he thinks he received some kind of direct revelation from the Spirit to take this stance on homosexual marriage. If that's the case, then the the Holy Spirit has provided contradictory revelations to mankind because the New Testament is very clear in condemning homosexuality. If it's now revealing to, to Bishop Talbert that it's okay, then the Spirit is giving us contradictory revelation, which it does, which, is, which he does not do. Yep. If he... You know, sometimes we talk about being led by the Spirit. We mean being led by the, the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the inspired written Word of God. If it's that, 
then he ought to be able to give us some scriptures proving it. He hadn't done either one. So, uh, you know, he says one time he said he changed his mind on homosexuality because of his experience with homosexuals. Another time he said he was led by the spirit to make this change. But he and so he hasn't really consistently explained his change in position, but he hasn't defended either one either. Jared uh, references uh, uh, show uh, Will and Grace. He says, here's a good quote to show how TV influences our views on morality. Vice President Joe Biden, this was from a few years ago. You remember this? Vice President Joe Biden said the sitcom Will and Grace played an important role in changing perceptions about gay rights. During an appearance on NBC's Meet the Press, uh, Biden uh, said he was absolutely comfortable with same-sex marriage. And he said, I think Will and Grace probably did more to educate the American public than almost anything anybody's ever done so far and you know i don't agree with president vice president biden on much but i think i'd have to agree with him 100 percent on that i think he's that right. uh, yeah. that media has influenced us today uh in opposition to what god's word says has influenced people and people they're not studying their bibles but they are watching their televisions and so homosexuality is becoming more accepted while god's word has not changed our society has uh jacob i've got a i've got a a whole raft of articles here about this situation with Bishop Melvin Talbert of the United Methodist Church. Here's another quote from him. He says, we as the church have the privilege of inviting people to come to God's table, but we do not say which ones can and which ones can't. They are all created in the image of God. They all have a place at God's table. They should not be excluded. I agree with that. Uh, We agree with that. Everybody should be invited. But here's a guy who's a thief. I mean, he has been he has been. Stealing for years. That's how he makes his money. He takes old ladies' purses. He's he's a yeah, he's a he's a purse snatcher. Yes, yeah, the old purse snatcher. Uh do we invite him? Well absolutely we yeah. invite him. Yeah. Do we tell him keep snatching purses? No. See that but, so, but no, but you don't have the right to say that. Well he see that's the problem. He is the the people who take these views, like Melvin Talbert position themselves as the arbiters of what can be allowed and what can't be allowed. Right, words, right, yeah. right. And and that's the problem. Who Who's making that determination? If, if we're not basing it solely upon the Bible, then upon what basis are we making the determination? Who can keep doing what they're doing and who can't? Forty years ago, homosexuality was not a socially acceptable sin, so we said you can't do it. Now, 40 years later, it is a socially acceptable sin, and so we can say you can come to the table and stay as you are. Yeah. Thievery is in today's time is not acceptable 40 years from now if it is acceptable we I, I say t- that a thief can come to the table I, i'll tell you i'll tell you one that's probably more practical pedophilia right all right today pedophilia is not socially acceptable and so he would exclude a practicing pedophile from acceptance in the united methodist church what if in 40 years and i've i'd I, I tremble to think that it might be so, but I think it might be so in 40 or 50 years from now when pedophilia is not considered to be culturally unacceptable. Will he be arguing to accept pedophiles into the Methodist church? In other words, are we just – is morality on a sliding scale? You know, and, and wherever we are culturally in the acceptance or rejection of certain moral practices, that determines what the church will teach and how they will – uh, practice does the church become a chameleon that it, it has no backbone it can't stand up against the pressures and uh, the, the the trends of society to say this is wrong it is a, an absolute standard that god has established that's not open for discussion it doesn't matter how hard our society pushes we're going to stand up and say this is what god has said and we're not going to move exactly right uh, uh the closest thing i could get to scriptural defense in any of these things i read from Melvin Talbert today was he said Jesus said in Mark 12 that the greatest of all commands is to love God with all your heart soul and mind and the second is to love your neighbor yourself that's actually Mark 12 28 through 31 I take that passage uh, and say all other laws that tend to restrict people in church are not supported by the Bible in Jesus message of love and grace that is a huge statement that barn door has been thrown. It's been knocked off its hinges with a statement like that. Exactly. Uh, because yeah. love if, your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Yeah. My love, my, my neighbor wants to marry his dog. So I, I love him. So I have to let him marry his you dog. Can't, anything that is restrictive. I, Hear that again. I, I, anything I, that is restrictive is, it cannot be accepted. Is, is it, is, it cannot be harmonized with the law of love and grace. Uh, all laws that tend to restrict people in church are not supported by the Bible in Jesus' message of love and grace. Hmm. That, 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 that absolutely nothing could be forbidden. 
He calls the uh, the church's objection to homosexual marriage an outdated cultural norm promoted by the church. And he says, uh, it's just painful that generation after generation we have to find somebody to exclude to feel that we're important and significant. That's not who God is. Jesus lived on the margins. He invited all to come. Certainly Jesus invited all to come, but he didn't invite them to come and continue in their sin. And, you know, he he his statement here, we have to find someone to exclude so that we can feel we're important and significant. Not the now, case. now he's judging. Now he's judging the motives of those who oppose homosexuality is that we do it just to feel important and significant. I mean, that's not true. We oppose it because the scriptures are very plain to oppose it. One more thing, and then I want to take our last break, and we're going to cover some questions that people sent in that I think really expose this situation. Yep. If pressed, if we had had a chance to press Melvin Talbert about his position, of course, he wouldn't take any pressure at all and hung up on us as soon as we even asked for clarification of his positions. But if we, if we had been able to press him, I'm pretty sure based upon what I read uh, that he would have tried to liken the objection, the, the, the opposition to homosexuals and homosexual marriage to the same as slavery. He uh, One of the articles says he, he likens his work to the, uh, in trying to promote homosexual marriage to the nation's civil rights movement. Uh, he's now 79, and he shared an Atlanta jail cell with Martin Luther King Jr. in October 1960 after being arrested at an Atlanta lunch counter sit-in. Uh, he would say the church was wrong back then. Historically, the church was wrong in supporting slavery. Now the church is wrong in opposing homosexual marriage. And so he says it's the same thing. Church was wrong, then church is wrong now. How would we answer that? Let's, why don't we take a break, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Is this an issue like slavery? Are we wrong to oppose it because, well, some churches didn't oppose slavery? Are we wrong? Uh, does, this, does the fact that certain churches accepted slavery, and they were wrong about that, prove that those who were uh, – are not uh, accepting of homosexuality could be wrong today. Let us know your thoughts on that. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A new report may reveal why a majority of teens abandon their faith upon high school graduation. Pollster George Barna documented that 61% of today's 20-somethings who had been churched at one point during their teen years are now spiritually disengaged. They do not attend church. They do not read their Bible. They do not pray. According to a new national survey sponsored by the National Center for Family Integrated Churches, the youth group itself is the problem. 55% of American Christians are concerned about modern youth ministry because it's too shallow, too entertainment-focused, resulting in an inability to train mature believers. 36% of today's believers are convinced that youth groups themselves are not even biblical. That information is via Mission Network News. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. We're not one to be uh, mean uh, spirited toward Melvin Tower. We don't have any animosity towards him. We're just trying to examine uh, his view and compare it with the Scriptures. Uh, you got to challenge your views, and they've got to, we've got to compare them to the scriptures. We can't just accept something because someone says it. We've got to we've got to challenge it and make sure we understand uh, how it lines up with the scriptures. Uh, Kevin Kelly in the chat room early on in the program uh, sent in First Corinthians chapter six verses nine and ten, uh, a passage that clearly condemns homosexuality. We'll get into some of those here towards the end uh, because we do want to make sure that we have those on the ready as we talk about this issue. Yeah. You know, real quickly, in addressing how we would parallel the the church and slavery to the church and homosexual marriage, I think anybody who who supported, I think we could argue clearly from the scriptures, who anybody who supported supported the abusive practice of slavery would have been violating a number of biblical principles. Now, yes. Now there there was slavery in the Bible that was not sinful. Right. But the kind of slavery that was commonly practiced in in the America in in, in America uh, prior to its abolition was frequently wrong and sinful. And if the church endorsed wrong and sinful things, we would have opposed them then. Too. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So just I, because, I don't think just because uh, what someone has done in the past doesn't mean that it establishes yeah. a precedent. Yeah. And and I, I you know Jesus Jesus was not a social reformer. And even in the day when slavery was being slavery was being practiced, Jesus didn't insist on its abolition immediately. He taught principles that would bring it to an end, but he didn't abolish it by direct command even in in his time. So. I don't think it's a parallel. I would just argue it's And that is also assuming that the type of slavery that was in existence then, it was uh, equivalent to the existence, the slavery that was in existence. In and I don't think, I don't think that's Not parallel. Not necessarily, yeah. Real quickly, I want to, we're going to run out of time in a hurry. I want to go, a lot of our listeners sent in this week emails and had some really good questions that we intended to pose to Melvin Talbert, the retired bishop of the United Methodist Church who hung up on the phone with us a little while ago. And so we didn't get to ask him these, but I think they are telling questions and I think the answers to them are pretty obvious. Uh, Chris in West Tennessee says, how does one know if God approves or disapproves of same-sex marriage? How would you know? The only way you could know is by Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Romans. Mr. 10, Talbert said he had he. Mr. Talbert said he had an, the experience of associating with homosexuals that changed his mind. Romans Later, fourteen verse twenty three says, "What's whatever is not from faith is sin." Therefore, if God hasn't said He approves of it in the Scriptures, and we do it, we're not doing it by faith. It is by definition sin. Another time, he said he was led by the Spirit, and if the Spirit led him to a conclusion different than what we read in our Bible, then. The Spirit's giving contradictory revelations, and that doesn't happen either. Galatians chapter 1 would condemn that. And so he, yeah, uh, yeah so he's got himself. In Chris asks, since God has revealed his will in the Bible and his will is complete, what do you think God will do to the one who tries to change what There's he has specified? Revel- Galatians 1, yep. 6 through 9. We yep. know, you know, if any man teach any other doctrine, let him be. Even if accursed. it's an angel for heaven. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, Chris says, since God created us and since he's instituted marriage in Genesis, what gives. You the right to go outside of what God instituted. Even Jesus did not speak on his own initiative, but followed the will of God. I think that's a statement rather than a question. I think it's right. Randy in Jackson, Missouri says, do you think from Scripture or otherwise that God intended people of the same gender to marry? Well, physiologically, it appears he did did not. Uh, Randy says, is it is it God's perfect plan for the same for same gender people to marry? Apparently not. You know where we could find God's perfect plan for marriage? Is one. Gen- well, well, Genesis 3. Genesis 3, yeah. yeah. Uh, or Genesis 2, actually. Genesis 2. Genesis 2. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then he had, Randy asked, what's your interpretation of Romans 1, 26 to 27? You know, I really think that probably there's not a better – we've studied that before. We won't even take time to read it. I, I, I doubt that there's a better statement in the New Testament condemning homosexuality than Romans 1, 26 and 27. But, you know, Jesus, in regards to what did God intend for people to do? Jesus used an expression in Matthew 19, verse 8, from the beginning, it was not so. You know, uh, this, certainly homosexual marriage is not according to God's original plan for man. Chris in Atlanta has the question that many uh, that sh- should be posed to many who are challenging the idea of homosexuality, saying that it is acceptable. Do you believe the Bible is our sole authority? If not, what other authority do we use in conjunction with or instead of the Bible to decide what is right and wrong? And here is the problem. And this is why we see denominations 
across the board almost, it appears, accepting homosexuality, accepting homosexual marriage. And that is because they threw the Bible out long ago on issues that people thought were inconsequential and insignificant. They challenged the Bible on the way that the church should worship, the way the church should be organized, the way that uh, that other things should be done. These seem to be insignificant, and they said, well, we'll make our own rules, we'll make our own book of discipline, we'll make our own uh, doctrinal creed. And when they did that, they opened up the door for anything because they have already discounted the scriptures, and that's a, a reminder for us today that we can't do the same. And we're seeing we're seeing so-called conservative churches today that are accepting things like divorce and remarriage. It's a chink in that in that armor of God's word. We're starting to discount it. And, uh, and once you do that, uh, you, you can't stand against something like homosexual marriage. I think that's very well said. Um, it's interesting to me that they have the – think about this, Jacob. They have the Methodist Book of Discipline, and that's what he's trying to get them to change. Change that Methodist Book of Discipline. Well, why do they even have a Methodist Book of Discipline? That's right. Why, why, why don't they just use the Bible? Because you can vote about what's in the Methodist Book of Discipline. <laughs> what if they said, let's take a vote – Let's vote as to whether or not Romans we should. Romans 1 in the Bible. Yeah, let, let's take Romans 1, 26 and 27 Romans, out of the Bible. Everybody in favor, vote. I believe it's immoral, evil, and wrong, and it's time to do away with it. With Romans 1. That wording. I don't like the wording. Romans yeah, 1. see, you, you don't, because they know you can't vote on what the Bible says, but you can vote on what the Methodist Book yeah. of Discipline says. Wade's had the microphone several times. Wade, you, you still got to, go ahead, Wade. I was just going along the same thing i mean you know what what's the purpose of the bible if you've got the methodist book of discipline I mean, why do we even need the bible I mean, yeah we'll just vote on everything yeah why not you know yeah. uh you know and, and it sounds extreme but we were talking earlier wait it sounds extreme to say what about a guy who wants to marry his dog well you know that is a sin that's a, a sin that's been practiced in this world bestiality is, is a sin why can't why wouldn't if if we can just make a vote and decide that a moral issue is now okay that was once wrong why can't we vote and say bestiality is okay or pedophilia is okay or polygamy is okay or incest is okay you know uh you know a man wants to marry his daughter why can't he why not you know if 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 this is all to our discretion what we want or don't want what we think is culturally acceptable or not there is no place to stop when you start down that road right the passage now is in Leviticus, uh, but uh, it, it was just several places right there, right in the same passage or the same chapter where he says, if a man lies with um, his daughter-in-law, if a man lies with an animal, if a man lies with another man. Yeah. I mean, it was just constant. A whole catalog of sexual yeah, sins. There was a whole catalog of those. And, and I mean, obviously, this is God's view on this initially. Um has it changed? Well, we find out in the New Testament, it still hasn't changed. Yeah. He still got the same view on it. Yeah, we, we can't go to the Old Testament for our law, but we can get an idea of how he felt about it then, and then we see confirmation that he still feels the same way in the New Testament. Quickly, Troy in Hendersonville says, uh, well, M- Mr. Talbert says that God does not exclude anyone. He said we, could, we couldn't. Uh, he, called it, he called it radical inclusivity. All right. That's, what, that's Melvin Talbert's own words. God does not exclude anyone. But then uh, Troy goes on and references Acts 10, 34 and 35, that God shows no partiality. But notice, so it does say God shows no partiality, but he does say in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Troy says, therefore, we can infer those who don't do what is right are not accepted by I God. Think that's right. In his next paragraph, he says, we uh, again, quoting from Melvin Talbert, we have no right to exclude anyone on the basis of their status in life, race, gender, economy, economic status. No matter what it is, we are all one. We agree with that. Yes. We agree with that. We're not excluding people on the basis of race, gender, or uh, economic status. Uh, but God, uh, Troy says, but God commands us, 1 Corinthians 5.11, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality. Right. So we, we, don't exclude us, them. we don't, we don't ex- exclude them from being welcome, but we do say you can't, you can't continue in the senior you've got to repent because i had to repent yeah god says everyone must repent and if we don't repent we'll we'll all perish there is uh there is a demand go ahead don't you think that um i mean back to the statement that mr talbot made earlier about um about it um the homosexuals being made that way and i think we, we kind of hit on it at one point but still even he's he's taking the position they can do this because they've made they're made this way but 
even in the scriptures, the scriptures, it doesn't matter if we're made that way or not. If God says we can't do it, then we just can't do it. I mean, exactly. it, it, no, you know, homosexuals are not the only ones who have a problem with a preference. You know, a guy who has a preference for alcohol. He's an alcoholic. He can't practice his preference. Or here, here's a heterosexual man, and he, he likes to chase women, a different one every night. He can't do that and be right with God. If that, even though that may be his preference, he can't practice his preference. Regardless of how he came by that preference, he can't practice that preference. And that's what we're saying about the homosexuals. Exactly right. We're way behind in the chat room tonight. Uh, Jack says, when God's word is not respected, then anything goes. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. It is really, it really is so sad how many people are influenced by such a very small percentage in our society. Homosexual, the homosexual community is very active and zealous in their pursuit uh, to influence so many, including our elected officials. We should be ashamed that we've been, not been as active and outspoken about God's position, especially when it is so easy to communicate with our elected officials. Nick in the chat room offers a different opinion. He says the state of our country and elected uh, the elected representatives makes it unlikely politics will have a positive effect. Our biggest influence will be in turning people back to God through repentance. Preach the word. Be urgent in season and out of season. Uh, so uh, I would agree that we uh, we need to do both. We need to be uh, we need to speak out in a public manner when possible. But I think uh, I would agree with Nick that we're going to have much more influence if we'll each be doing our part to teach others around us. I think that's right. I want to real quick go to an email from Mike in, in Orleans, Indiana, who, who wanted to pose these questions to Melvin Talbert. Uh, number one, is your view that the Bible is the inspired word of God? If, if yes, to what extent? Of course, I don't think he really accepts that as being a literally verbally inspired word of God. Uh, if, not the, if, if not, if the Bible is not what it claims to be, is it wrong about being inspired in your view? How can it be considered reliable about anything? In other words, if we don't accept it as totally, completely inspired, how can we accept it about anything? If the Bible's wrong about homosexuality, how can we accept what it teaches on any other subject? Uh, interesting question, Mike asks, can you point to one solid case anywhere in the Bible where homosexuality in any context is clearly spoken of in a positive light? And the answer to that is absolutely none. Jack in the chat room disagrees with uh, with Nick. He says, I worked in D.C. I knew a lady who worked for a Kentucky senator. Uh, I asked her how much influence a letter, email, or call would have on a senator's position. She told me it had a very significant effect. So we, we, need, to do, we need to take every avenue that we have. But uh, to summarize it this way, I would say let's not think that we have to do something on a grand scale. Let's take action where we are, whatever that action may be, to influence those who are around us. We don't have to. We don't have to We're be whispering in any kind of senators here. If we can't do that, if yeah. we can, we should. But uh, if we can uh, talk to our next door neighbor, we ought to be doing that. Uh, real quickly, I don't have time to go through all that Mike wrote. He wrote a lot of good stuff here, but uh, he he says uh, in First Corinthians seven two, Paul instructed the church saying, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Paul's advice for avoiding any time of any type of sexual immorality was a marriage between a man and a woman. How could you then argue that marriage between the same sex is anything less than immoral when no such type of union is ever mentioned in the pages of Scripture, especially in a lawful manner? Uh, aren't you going beyond what is written and adding to the Word of God by teaching that homosexuals may marry when, in fact, the Scriptures are silent regarding the authorization of same-sex unions? All good stuff. Thanks, All Mike. Right. Well. Uh, it's been a good discussion. Appreciate uh, the time tonight. And uh, and we're sorry that our scheduled interviewee uh, hung up on us. Well, the, the fact of the matter is that uh, we're going on by God's word. And if you want to convince us that homosexuality and homosexual marriage is acceptable, you're going to have to do that by going to God's word and explaining that to us. And to date, on the virtual Bible study in over eight years, no one has been able to do that. We've talked about it several times. And we've... We've tried to be open. In other words, our invitation to Melvin Talbert was so he could come on and defend his point of view. We now, if you're going to defend your point of view, you're going to have to be willing to accept a cross-examination of your point of view, and that's what he wouldn't do. Uh, we, we talked with a Presbyterian preacher who was taking the same position as Melvin Talbert, and uh, we talked to him for a whole hour at the and end he, of it, and, and he, he was very gracious and appreciative. And he not. was more open. I have to acknowledge that the Presbyterian preacher was a lot more open than the Methodist preacher was. We disagree with him, too, but we had a good discussion. Yeah. Well, uh, Dad, uh, Jack says he agrees. It's not an either-or. We should do both. Uh, so uh, we need to we need to be doing what we can to influence our society. Hey, 
our society is evil. It's getting more and more evil, but it's not uh, something that faithful people have not had to deal with in the past. God expects us, regardless of the society we live in, to be unchanging, unwavering, and uninfluenced uh, by our society. God expects us uh, to to uh, to be uh, faithful to Him, no matter what. And um, in First Corinthians chapter six, he says, "Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate," says the Lord, "and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. That's our challenge in the evil world that we live in. Come out from among it. Be separate. Don't allow it to influence you. Don't allow will and grace. Don't allow the television, the media. Don't allow the religious leaders who claim to have uh, moral superiority influence you to do anything or to have a view different from what God has revealed in his word. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate it. And Timothy's been behind the boards, uh, done a great job. Uh, Thank you, Timothy, for being here. Wade and uh, Thomas have been here uh, to cheer him on, and so thank you all for coming. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. We hope that you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.